Hello and welcome people to the Attacking 2 podcast. We are back this week with a new episode. Uh, Joe Tweedy joins us. If you don't know him, what are you doing in your life? He is um, a very famous, I would say, uh, Chelsea uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter person. Uh, you can read his texts and uh, you can find him on Twitter at Joe Tweedy. He's on the podcast to discuss today, um, well, the performance from the weekend, which was a very bad one. But at the end, we got the result. So what we do we make of that? Um, we have a load of underperforming players. And is Sari out? Is Sari in? What will we have to do to um, make adjustments maybe for Sari to make him stay? Uh, all that will be discussed in this episode. So we end this intro with one question. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. All right, this is uh, the start to a new episode. I'm very happy to um, have Joe with the first question on here. Um, performance on the weekend against Cardiff was, in my opinion, a very poor one. Uh, what was your first reaction after the full-time whistle? It was a, it was a strange reaction. Um, you know, you have a, an academy product, one of the, the sort of the OGs of the Chelsea Academy, Loftus-Cheek, scoring probably one of the, the biggest goals that he scored for Chelsea to date. And there, there was a slightly peculiar feeling because part of me is thinking that, that if we don't get a, a kind of result here, that Sarri potentially may go. I think towards the end of the season, whether that's positive or negative, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later in the episode. But I think overwhelmingly, I think I was I was happy. I was happy with the result. Obviously, I'm I'm, I'm always happy when when Chelsea win. I think, as you're saying, the the kind of the first 80 85 minutes of that game um, were, were were some of the the, the kind of the, the worst football that we've we've played this season, and it, it seems to be at least uh, kind of week on week. We're we're not particularly getting any better. We're not showing any kind of you know, progress towards this this footballing philosophy that Sarri is trying to introduce. So I think overall feeling, obviously, I was happy for the win. I think it's a little bit kind of extended. Sorry, maybe, I, you know, he, he seems to be in limbo at the moment. So I'm not super happy with the the sort of uncertainty around him and his job and, and sort of the progress of the side. But happy with the win, obviously incredibly happy for, for Loftus-Cheek and then the goal that he scored. But as you say, for, for 80 minutes of that game, this, this could have been a carbon copy of, of many Chelsea performances across the season. So much possession, so much uh, of the ball with very little show for it. I think we had three shots on target during the game, which given that we had, what, 70-odd percent possession is, is, is quite frightening at times. So, yeah, you know, overall happy with the happy with the, the goal for Loftus-Cheek. I still think it leaves us in a little bit of limbo and I, I genuinely think that the performance wasn't fantastic up until that point. Mm, yeah, I think it's a sentiment we would all share. But, Jimmy, um, when we talk about the performance, I will especially um, focus on maybe the first 80 minutes because, um, you know, when you have a team like Chelsea with the individual class of players like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Eden Hazard, especially when you bring them on in the second half, a game is likely to change. But how is it possible that we set up in such a wrong way yet again and, and, and seem to not find a solution against these kind of teams? Well, let me start by uh, just saying that I fully wholeheartedly agree with what Joe said there that is a very sound analysis of what went down yesterday if one can say it that way um, regarding the team selection I think there was hardly any Chelsea fan 
who wasn't at least a little bit baffled by Marit Osari's decisions uh, to include William and Pedro uh, up front, Marcus Alonso at the back, and a midfield three, which didn't include N'Golo Kante for the first time in the Premier League this season. While rotation, of course, is necessary, we've got a very congested uh, fixture list uh, for the next few weeks once again. And of course, the international break was pretty busy for some of the players, most prominently Eden Hazard. It still feels as if the wrong choices were made. I mean, it's always easy to scapegoat players and to put the blame on one or two players. But I don't think you can really call that that when it comes to Marcus Alonso. His performances have been mostly woeful. We had one game in the Europa League where he was very good, uh, so to speak, that Emerson was coming out as uh, this rising star. He was gaining some form. Uh, maybe that's a bit over the top with the rising star, but he was gaining form and he felt under pressure. But now, yesterday, again, against a side like Cardiff, they were targeting our left side. And Marcus Alonso was really struggling up against their attacking players. Um, Most prominently, Murphy, who was tearing him a new one. So it does more or less uh, lead back to Maurizio Sarri because he should have been prepared for this. You know, he had two weeks to prepare for this game. It just seemed as if he didn't at all. I know that's not the truth, but, you know, it, it, it was weird. And that's why the three points weren't as, I don't know, it wasn't such a, you know, when, when we normally win this last minute kind of uh, goal like Loftus-Cheek scored yesterday, I'm normally ecstatic and I don't care how it comes about. And, of course, a win's a win also for yesterday. But... You know, there's this bitter aftertaste where you think, oh, we didn't deserve this. I mean, you know, we, we've struggled with uh, officials' decisions uh, in the past, but, it, you know, we really didn't deserve more than a draw there. Um, and I really am worried that that win papers over cracks, which have become so blatantly apparent now, that it gives me, you know, no com- uh, very little confidence mm. for the rest of the season. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's actually a good point because um, I see it with myself. Like back in the days, I wasn't really fussed with the way we've played. Just for the results, um, it was a good feeling at the end of the day when we stuck one in in the 90th minute and everything was was fine and rosy. But this time round, it felt differently and. I think it's it's also down to the fashion. We haven't played a good football for a while now. Um, I think uh, what, what comes apparent so oftenly in in the last couple of weeks, and and that kind of bugs me as well, is that we always concede early in the second half. And I don't know what's what's going on in the team talks at halftime, but that can't really be the case. We conceded against uh, Everton this early. We conceded one minute after. The re-kickoff in the second half against Cardiff as well. And it, it just seems to be that these plays are a little bit off. And, and I would like to know what is going on in that dressing room. Um, so I think that's also a question regarding Sari. What, in which way is he motivating the players? Or um, 
what does he do after a poor first half or after a good first half against Everton that these players don't seem to kind of get their shit together in the second half? Uh, I think that's an interesting question. Maybe uh, Joe has some kind of idea of what's what's going on behind scenes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a tricky thing to answer because I think a, a lot of this comes down to whether the players ultimately believe in, in what they're being told. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, we can we can look at the overall level of the squad, and I, I'm not someone who believes that we're we're blessed with a, a ton of talent in in the current group of players. You know, we've got a couple of good players, a couple of world class players, but I think overall the the level in the squad isn't fantastic. However, you know, th- this is a squad that largely is intact from from when Conte won a title and they have won stuff. And I think in that case, you know, they do have an opinion on maybe what they're being told. And I always go back to that that sequence of games when it really looked like Sorry was was going to have his his job sort of terminated the City Cup final and then the Tottenham game. Much was said after those games that, that Chelsea kind of departed from, from how Sarri had played, that they'd approached the manager, that they that they asked to play in a slightly different manner. And they're probably two of the best performances that we've had this season. So if you as players are going to a manager and telling him, you know, actually we want to play like this or we feel that this is the best way to approach a game, that to me suggests that there is, there's, there's not a huge deal of faith in him as a, as a manager. And I think... Some of the the second half performances, particularly the Everton one, that that was the most baffling because I, I felt the first half, it, it was everything but the goal. It was one of the best performances that we had in in a while, but that sort of total capitulation in the second half, mentally and and technically, and and we looked like we'd had all of the the kind of tactical instructions stripped from us was was completely unforgivable. And I think we we see it quite often this season is that for some reason we come out in the second half and and it's not the same, and, it, and it's almost as if like. If the if the way Sari approaches the game doesn't kind of result in a goal in the first half or we, we don't make the breakthrough, it's almost like the players lose confidence in him and in the second half, whether consciously or subconsciously, that they kind of switch off. And I think it's why we can see so many early goals and why it's so difficult for us to kind of raise our level to make comebacks in these games. I think this is the the first game in in a long while that we've we've actually, you know, we've we've taken the um that we we've we've actually come back to, to actually win a game. So you know that that I think that also says a lot. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it reflects on the players. I, I don't think at this point in time they have a huge amount of confidence in Sari. And yeah, going back to sort of elements of the Spurs game and elements from the City game, where they were apparently kind of on the front foot with what they wanted to do. I think it just reflects a, a little bit of a uh, a lack of belief in what Sari is asking them to do. And if they don't make the breakthrough, I feel that they they kind of shrink in themselves a bit, which isn't fantastic. But again, it's something that the manager should be addressing, and I don't think he has the capability to do so. Mm-hmm. Also with um, confidence and faith so low, especially around the fans as well, uh, you've got the impression once something goes wrong in a game, everything can turn, the fans yes. can turn on sorry if they haven't already, and things seem to go in the wrong direction. And it's it's always down to who scores first, which way a game goes. Uh, like against, against Cardiff, you can turn it around. But if that happens, let's say against even a mid-table side, I, I wouldn't be sure if we got even a point. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Jimmy, when, when, we, when we talked about, you know, the team down-tooling again and when we talk about certain players not performing for Sari and then the fans get on Sari's back and all that, um, do you think a loss or even a draw would have, especially with that kind of performance the players put in, uh, meant that Sari would have gotten the sack. It's always difficult to say whether that would have definitely happened because one does get the feeling that the club's trying to pursue a new course. Um, but a trigger-happy pass would 
um, point towards that having happened if we wouldn't have uh, turned things around. So generally, I, I generally I would say yes, uh, especially with that kind of a performance. That the level of performance was atrocious. I mean, it, it really was, and we've had some really bad games this season, but you know that was what well, I think. Why Sarri's future is still hanging in the balance despite this being a win for me personally now, and I, I'd like to know if you two agree with this, is that while there had been, you know, this regressive uh, phase happening, you know, like after a very good start to the season, then this slump came and nothing was working. And then uh, before the international break in February, we you know, Sari started to turn things around. So he started to actually make changes. He started to make uh, some adjustments to the squad so that he gave Emerson a chance ahead of Alonso, um, was making the right substitutions because his in-game management wasn't always too consistent. Uh, so it was really his first subs were Callum Hudson-Doy, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And it w- seemed like a step in the right direction. And despite results not necessarily going always, you know, our way and the play not always being perfect, I, I was actually confident that Sarri could turn things around, but one game where the the team selection was atrocious and his in-game management was once again lacking, it feels like there's two steps backwards again. I, I don't know. What, how, how do you feel uh, in this regard? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd have to agree on that. Um... I mean, I've had I've had issues with him for a while now, and it's not sort of traditional kind of you know he he doesn't wear a suit and he you know mm-hmm. all these sort of weird kind of accusations that people have against him. I think the the thing for me is that we we've become utterly utterly predictable in terms of both team selection and in, in terms of tactics. And generally, I mean, there are there are things that he's he's not doing that better managers have done and come and adjusted. And I always look at Pep Guardiola's sort of evolution from. From Barcelona to Bayern Munich to City, you know there, there are people that that will say that City play this, the same style of football as Barcelona, but it, it couldn't be any further from the truth. You know, City are now a, a team that that really kind of exploits wide wide spaces. They play at a a much kind of quicker pace than what Barcelona do, and, and Guardiola's really adapted how his uh, system fares in the Premier League. And yet, you know, there's there's this classic thing with with Sorry, which if you you could take it a steal with pretty much most of the times when we attack with the ball is you have uh, one of the midfielders has the ball and then the entire team, bar David Luiz and Antonio Rudiger, ahead of the ball. Now, you can't attack with with seven players in, in the Premier League or eight players. You know, it, it's it's completely and utterly suicidal. And we've we've been doing this the whole entire season. But as soon as teams figure this out, it's quite often why we look very stretched from teams' counters because as soon as teams pinch the ball, say from from Jorginho or, or Kovacic, who was the example yesterday, mm-hmm. you're, you're running straight at two centre backs every single game. And I, I don't care if you've got Varane and Van Dijk playing at the back. You know, uh, there, there's going to be a, a question when you know for the fifth, sixth, seventh time that happens in a game, they're, they're going to sort of get beat. You know, they're not going to win every single uh, you know sort of possession turnover battle. And that that's one of the things that I think is. You know that sort of dogmatic approach to how we actually attack with with the ball has, has been something that I'm, I'm completely baffled with. Why he hasn't tried to to address that? You know why there's not balance if we're attacking on the left hand side. Bring brings bring some people back on, on the right hand side. Drop Kante, even drop Aspilicueta in there because yeah, I mean there's there's this really really great steal uh, still shot of in, in the game yesterday where it's it's literally Kovacic is on the ball. Jorginho is is a couple of meters ahead of him, but you can see every single Chelsea shirt in the final third. Um, yeah. And it's nil nil at this point. You know, it's not like we're chasing the game. Um, and, and this is sort of one of the one of the fundamental things that I think he's he's not changing. I'm right. You know, I've, I've wanted him to adjust. I've wanted him to 
to make the relevant changes. But he seems to not feel that his football needs adapting to the Premier League. And I think, I guess my point being that, that Klopp and, and Pochettino and, and, and Guardiola and, and managers who play similar style of football in, in a better manner have all adapted how they play to the Premier League. But Sarri still continues to kind of push down this this pathway, which which looks like he doesn't need to adapt. And, you know, as I said, it, for all the will in the world, I would love to have seen this style of football Chelsea come off, you know, attacking, fast, direct football. Everyone would love to see that. But it's just a question of how you implement it. And I think his his reluctance to, to change some of the, the the kind of the mannerisms and the, and the positional plays and, and how we particularly, you know, how we kind of attack effectively is, is one of the big reasons why we kind of are where we are. But no, I, I agree, yeah. you know, he's... His stubbornness is is it's become a problem. You know, it has been for a while, but I think we're seeing it more and more in recent weeks because even even teams like Cardiff now are beginning to figure us out, and it's not fantastic when you're you know you're, you're trying to push your Champions League position and you've got sort of similar games to, to play. We look very predictable, and you know I, I I kind of I still hope that part of me you know that he can at least make some amendments to kind of push us towards the Champions League places, but I'm I'm not particularly holding my breath in that regard. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean for my part, I would say. Um... You know, the tactical side is one thing. And, of course, there are certain mistakes being made over and over again. Yeah. And it kind of worries me. Um, but I think it's not my main point of criticism because we've said it at, at the start of the season where he said he needs half a year of adjustment or how long, how long ever, uh, certain fans. And I think also myself uh, would have been fine for a year of adjustment if we would see certain improvements. Um, so tactical issues are you know, a problem. I agree with that. But for me, what's 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 my main criticism is on is, um, you know, I look at teams and um, what kind of worries me first when I see that is is uh, basics being done wrong. Does a team show resilience? Does a, does a team show pride? I think that's the two main points we have lacked. Uh, we, we have lacked this season that, um, we kind of uh, lose all our faith or, or, or all our heart once we, we are behind. I have never seen a Chelsea team losing 6-0, um, these kind of things. So, And that obviously is down to the players because they allow it to happen. But under which manager these players would allow themselves to down tool as much is also a question. And I think uh, for all the due criticism on people like Jose Mourinho, you wouldn't lose 6-0 under Jose Mourinho because you wouldn't want to turn up to training next week. Um, and that's the basics of football, right? We can talk about how can we progress with Chelsea forward and these are not the main uh, issues to talk about then. But I think um, as a footballing guy for all my life, uh, I can't look past Marcos Alonso trotting back when he loses the oh, ball yeah. in, the, in, the last, uh, in, in the last third. Uh, I can't look past... Um, Ross Barkley not being, in my opinion, good enough to play at this football club because he loses the ball very often, um, doesn't have the ability to play, I think, uh, at, at a level that is Chelsea Football Club. Um, then other play, I, I don't even want to start about certain players, but I think that's, that's my main issue, uh, basics of football, uh, to answer that question for you, Jimmy. But I want to, to uh, throw in the next one. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who surely has the potential, not only the potential, but the quality as of now that he would start for Chelsea and make a difference, hasn't played again, not even off the bench. So does he maybe play on Wednesday? What's uh, your suggestion, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a huge Hudson-Odoi fan and 
I think this also comes in the context of, you know, people will, will treat him as an academy player, as a young player, but I think he, he legitimately has, you know, a, a kind of, let's say, a, a position to, to start. You know, he, he's not competing with, you know, players at their absolute peak who are playing consistently well every single week. You know, we're looking at, I call them Wedro, William and Pedro. It's just this sort of one mass of, of, of the same kind of performance every week. It just, you know, it's just a different hairstyle on the pitch. He's he's not really competing with with anything at the moment, you know. I mean, we saw again in the first half. I think I it was Pedro who was just. I mean, he he might as well not not have even been on the pitch. And you know, when it comes to how Hudson and is being sort of treated and, and viewed from Sari, you know, that we we get all these questions about his mentality and his defensive acumen. And, and you know, we can go through sort of all of the the things that he talks about, but. Hudson at the moment at least is coming back from you know an international period where his confidence is absolutely soaring and in in that respect I think most managers would would try and sort of capitalize on that with a player okay you know I've got a player who's he's incredibly confident here let's let's pick him um and I think when you when you play William and you play Pedro and I mean to be fair to William he he did have a, a role in both both goals but I think you know, let's in Pedro in particular you know, when you're when you're playing someone based on the fact that they've had nearly two, three weeks rest, or you know that they've they've been training and they, they and they deliver that performance, it's hard to justify why someone like Hudson Odoi, who who has the 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 talent currently to be an exceptionally impactful player, um, but also I mean, you know, you're looking at a ceiling of someone who could be a a sort of future superstar. You know, why he's not being played? And again, it's another question of. He's not made a Premier League start at this point in the season, and uh, you know, there, there's so many questions surrounding him, but. You know, if we're looking at Brighton, I would start both him and I would start Hazard, you know, and it has to be has to be done on merit. And I think, again, this is another thing that I'm growing frustrated with, sorry, is that it doesn't matter how bad some of these experienced players play. If you're in the if you're in the club, if you're in the sorry, like 12, 14 man club, it doesn't matter about your form. You play every week regardless. And, you know, that is, is something that, that has always frustrated me with young players is that, you know, Hudson Doyle could have a fantastic game in the Europa League. And yes, we can we can look at the level of opposition, but... You try and build on that and push him into a Premier League game, see if he can continue sort of being as effective. But, you know, he could have a, a 12 out of 10 in the Europa League, score, you know, seven goals, get seven assists, and you know that he's going to be on the bench in the next game for the Premier League. So has to be a bit more meritocratic for me. I hope that he does play on Wednesday. Um, you can see his his sort of face during the game that he's, he's you know, I think he's, yeah. he's getting fed up, you know, just sort of sitting on the bench. And again, it's it's not like he's, you know, he's got peak Iron Robin and peak Ribery and peak Hazard and peak whatever winger you want ahead of him. He's got two wingers in their decline who are no longer international footballers at the moment, at least, while he's on kind of in, in sort of the ascendancy. So, you know, you have to feel for him. And I, I do hope that he plays, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath in that regard. <laughs> um, well, Andy, can I, can I add something there? Yeah, sure, sure. Because uh, we were, when we were talking about the game yesterday, <clears throat> I mean, what was blatantly obvious was that uh, Cardiff or Neil Warnock was doing his homework or did his homework because they saw the teams that Chelsea struggled against, um, like barring, let's say, Manchester City, um, which were deep-lying defences. We just cannot cope with that. Kind of, I mean, I know we won, but, you know, it's not something that we're, one can't say it was lucky. You know, it was lucky. And normally we've been losing against these deep-lying defences and we have no width. I mean, William and Pedro... They only cut inside, and if they do it, they either lose the ball or overhit the cross or just pass back. You know, very rarely does it happen that something actually 
uh, arises out of their uh, their attacking contributions um, must be said. I know that William, as you said, Joe, did have a hand in the goals yesterday, but uh, no, that, that it's more about the consistency. That just isn't the case. And we are still talking about Cardiff with all due respect to them. And Hudson Odoi is a player who can provide that width. Hudson Odoi is a player who's in form, who's just made his debut for the senior squad of his country. Um, he has the ability to go by past the byline and square it. Uh, um, cr- you know, his crossing ability has been very good. We've seen that on multiple occasions this season. I I just cannot understand how Sari cannot see this. I, I the only explanation I have, and I did mention it on Twitter the other day, is that there must be some something between them. Some something must have occurred. Something must have happened that Sari doesn't want to field him. Whether it's his age, or that Hudson Doy said something he didn't like, or that he wanted to even leave. Maybe he wanted to leave, and that something that Sari doesn't like, which is bit ludicrous uh, I, I really do think that there's some spat between them could that could that be an explanation because Hudson Odoi deserves to start at the moment there's absolutely no question about it mm-hmm. in, in my opinion yeah I think he he, he he has shown some attitude in the transfer window maybe something sorry didn't like then also the pressure from outside from the fans from the media that he has to play Callum Hudson Odoi it becomes also a bit embarrassing if you earn your first England cap before your first Premier League start for Chelsea, and that will obviously build the pressure as well. So I think that could honestly be the scenario that Sari wants to prove a point here. But um, one challenge I'd like to make is um, we have discussed that before um, that underperforming players are a problem for Chelsea. So if we each have one player from uh, the weekend's lineup. Which we don't want to have in the lineup uh, at Wednesday. Uh, which player would it be? So each one of us gets gets one player to name and the reason why and which player should play instead of him. So I, I will start here as I'm as I'm speaking at the moment, and I would say I would like to have Ross Barkley out of the team and Ruben Loftus Cheek inside the team. Uh, reason being, yeah, obvious. Um, just <laughs> Ruben Loftus Cheek being being a player who is also well, he came back from an injury, so maybe for 90 minutes it's not the right solution, but at least for 60 minutes uh, he brings an awful lot to the team, brings physical presence, has better passing than Ross Barkley, um, and yeah, just, just drives the ball forward and we seem to have more creativity in the last third with him. Uh, Joe, which player would it be for you? I mean, I... I'd like to universally get get rid of Marcus Alonso, not just from this uh, this down, but I'll, I'll leave it for a second. Um, I think my, my one would be uh, Gonzalo Higuain um, and bring in Oliver Giroud. I, I generally think even if Giroud isn't scoring, that there is there's some sort of method to the madness of, of why he's won a World Cup for France, why he is 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 revered as such a good team player. And I think we we're a better team with him in the lineup. I think he links play better. I think his hold up play actually allows us to, to fire the ball into him and actually progress up the pitch. I think he, his, his kind of link with Hazard, and I think he's shown some great link play with, with Loftus Cheek as well, is better than Higuarin. And, and I, I just generally feel that we've, Chelsea kind of always look better when we've got a focal point in attack. And it doesn't matter what kind of style of football we play. I just, I feel that if we have a reference point 
we actually tend to play a bit better. And, you know, after the back of the, the, the game he had in the Europa League, I would have felt that he would have had an opportunity in the league to kind of continue that full one. Again, it's it comes down to sort of meritocracy and whether you're in sort of the Sari club or not. But I would like to see Giroud play because I do generally, generally, um, genuinely, genuinely think that with him in the side, we look a lot more fluid and I actually think that he is a, a better fit for the side than Higuain at this point in time. <laughs> I'm kind of curious which one Jimmy picks, but uh, <laughs> I expect William. I just want to say that I think that's something that many don't see because Joe mentioned that with the fluidity of our attack. It's crazy that Olivier Giroud is actually giving us more fluidity in attack than Gonzalo Higuain, <laughs> who's been playing this system or played that yeah. system for a long time. But it's just the case. I agree. And I, I didn't want to see it for a long time, but there's no point going on with Gonzalo Higuain when he's so obviously out of form. So, yeah fully agree with both choices. Now, I'm not going to take the obvious ones of uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi for either William or Pedro or, Mark, uh, you know, Emerson for Marcus Alonso. I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say I want Antonio Rudiger to be on the bench for a while now and have Andreas Christensen get a try. Um, Antonio Rudiger, let's face it, he should have been sent off yesterday, if you ask me. I mean, yeah. that a lot, of, a lot of referees would have just, you know, said, yeah, last man. Clear goal, goal um, scoring opportunity that could have come about. He's got to go. No idea how it didn't happen. Good for us, no doubt. But, you know, he's been very much out of form. And David Luiz is always good for a mistake. I know that. But the thing is, um, when you saw yesterday, uh, what's the strike again, Cardiff? Nyasse. Um, Nyas, right. Yeah, so Nyas. Uh, he was constantly pressing Louise. When Louise was on the ball, he constantly pressed him because Cardiff knew, and Neil Warnock knew, of course, as well, if he's on the ball, he can bring those crossfield passes up to the man, to Gonzalo Higuain, one of our wingers, and that is dangerous because that can play over there, you know, cut through the defence and, you know, they're, they're vulnerable. Antonio Rudiger, I love the guy a lot you know he's a very lovable guy and he's strong and very physical and that's great but while he's out of form you know he's 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 on the ball when he's on the ball you see his passing sometimes yesterday and not only yesterday but generally he's dreadful his his passing is woeful compared to david louise and uh, he's not the perfect ball playing center back and i think due to andres christensen having the composure and he's being this kind of this sweeping up kind of guy uh, while playing with either of them in the Europa League recently. He's defensively solid. He seems to have um, overcome that dip in form which he had after the Barcelona game last season, which left him rattled for quite yeah. some time. And he's on the ball. He's 10 times better than Antonio Rüdiger. I'm not saying get rid of Antonio Rüdiger because I think he's generally really good for this squad, but I think he needs to be on the bench a bit because he's been overplayed. He played for Germany as well during his international break. He needs a rest. He needs some time to reflect. Andres Christensen is ready. He's never, He's there's no, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, lads, but he's not had a mistake this season. He's not put a foot wrong. No. Not that I can remember. And I think with him and David Luiz, David Luiz providing that outlet, which we need if, you know, the defense of the opponent is once again sitting deep, that would be perfect. I think that would already be a great choice because, as you said, Joe, when we are defending uh, 
high up the field. Andreas Christensen, I think his positional awareness is, first of all, much better than Sonia Rudiger's. And that will be very much needed if we're going to be, if we were are caught on the break, uh, not on the break, but we're just caught in possession. That's what I mean. So that would be my pick uh, for named reasons. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. And uh, I would also agree with that. So as we moved onto the field of maybe preferred lineups uh, already, uh, I want to go in kind of a different path. So uh, take a different turn and, and say uh, predicted lineups for this Wednesday. Um, facing uh, Brighton, obviously, at home, that could be uh, a game where we, if we win, uh, get back into the discussion for top four again. Um, we never really left it, but we always been, I think, the dark horses to make top four uh, out of this uh, six clubs. Uh, so um, speaking about the maybe preferences we have and the preferences Sari has, how much will that differ? And what's your predicted starting eleven, Joe? Oof. Um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that he'll go back to his his tried and tested, um, which is the the usual back four. Um, maybe Palmieri comes in um, if if there's one change. I think it'll be Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, the usual, and then probably Hazard, Higuarín, and, and maybe William. If, if it's uh, if it's what Sari's going to pick, I can't see too much uh, too much change from him at this point. Mm. Uh, I, I would be I would be surprised, happy, but I would be very surprised if uh, if Hudson Odoi starts on on Wednesday. Um, you know, part of me thinks that this is this is maybe the one game that Sari will actually start him in, but we're sort of going history is sort of dictated that whenever you think Hudson Odoi is going to play, he he normally <laughs> sits on the bench. So. Um, yeah, I, I can see it just being the, the usual team, maybe with a one, one change in the typical back four. Mm. Yeah, that, that could easily be the case. Uh, at least I think uh, every time we expected Sari to make a change after poor performances, after maybe uh, some rotation being needed, um, we never really got it. And uh, we've said it quite some time ago on, on, on this podcast as well. Every time we expect Callum Hudson-Odoi to start, he, he never does. So <laughs> I'm losing faith in that one as well. So Callum Hudson-Doy certainly is not starting on Wednesday, uh, I think at least. Uh, so I think as we've talked about now for um, about 35 minutes on this podcast, we can sweep this uh, kind of discussion into one and the last direction we want to go. And this is um, predictions for Wednesday's game. Um, what do you think, Jimmy? Uh, can we get a win against Brighton? Well, we should. Um, it's the obvious answer. I mean, as we should against Car- uh, should have against Cardiff, and we did. But you know, it's very difficult to uh, foresee uh, how we play because either we, you know, get an early goal, and then you know things are like great. You know, we we've normally reacted quite well once we take an early lead. But if that isn't the case, and Brighton is also a resilient side, uh, they are still theoretically, mathematically, uh, able to drop down into those relegation spots. So they're going to be fighting for their lives. It won't be easy. Uh, I I do think we're going to win. Um, because last time when we've done these predictions and I've been pessimistic and said we'll draw, we'll lose, it always happens. So I have to be optimistic this time. And I'm going to say it's going to be a either 
No, we're not going to not concede. So I'd say 2-1 win for Chelsea. And just regarding the predicted lineup, sorry, did say that Hudson Doyle is going to start two or three of the last eight Premier League games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this would be the best opportunity because it's not going to get any easier. And I think he'd rather start him against Brighton than against West Ham or any of the upcoming games like Man United. So this this does seem as if it is predestined, this game for Hudson Odoi to start, especially as he was rested. So there's absolutely no excuse for Sarri not to play him on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, prediction from you, Joe? Oh, um, if, if the team is switched up a bit, then I'm, I'd be positive. Um, I mean, I still think we'll win. I think it'll be 2-0, but I'd, I'd like to be a little bit more optimistic about it with the with the team selection. But yeah, I'll, I'll go 2-0. Mm. Uh, you know, it's Brighton. Uh, and, uh, you know, podcast regulars, people that have listened to a podcast uh, months ago, because we're not as long around, know that I kind of have a fear um, when it comes to Brighton, especially to Glenn Murray. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that one. Um, but no, I, I think Brighton, they have they've lost at home against uh, Southampton. And uh, they are not a good away side. I think they've, they've only clinched two wins away um, or, or three, maybe, uh, in, in this Premier League season, which is not a lot considering... Uh, yeah, they have to to fight relegation as well. And if we win against them, that will, I think, that will throw them into the deep end, um, and they they will have to to struggle to actually stay in the league. So they will fight, and um, Brighton are a decent side, but I think we should overcome them, especially at home. Um, better results at home from Chelsea, at least in in this kind of uh, last few few weeks or so. So I guess with Eden Hazard starting, that will obviously also make a difference. I'm going 2-1, 2-1 Chelsea. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that concludes uh, this episode. It was a pleasure to talk to you, Joe. Um, it was a really lively discussion. Very, uh, a lot of interesting points being made. Um, so I leave you to plug yourself for our listeners. Where can they find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter on uh, on Jay Tweedy, and generally I, I write for Football London these days, and occasionally on uh, we, we ain't got no history as well. But yeah, no, it's been it's been really interesting to chat with you guys, and, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, cheers for for coming on the pod. Um, yeah, okay. for I, I, just, this- I just have to add, uh, please please do check out Joe because uh, someone who does regularly read his articles, uh, especially for we ain't got no history, it always is. A delight to do so and i'm not just trying to you know get a brown nose as one says but it really is the case i i do very very much enjoy so i can only uh emphasize this that people do go and check out his work mm, absolutely echo that absolutely echo that um for all the listeners do that and then do also follow the attacking two podcast on twitter on every podcast platform uh, where you can find us, that is Spotify, that is Apple Podcasts, that is Anchor, um, that is YouTube as well. You can uh, watch when we record on the video. You can also listen if we record on the audio. And there will be a vlog coming up next week as we 
are going to the away day. Um, um, I was about to say Champions League, but sadly, no. It's the Europa League quarterfinals against Slavia Prague. Uh, Jimmy and myself are going and we will do a vlog uh, you, so you can watch that as well. Um, but however, make sure you always listen to our podcast. We are fresh every week. Uh, until the next time, uh, keep the blue flag flying high.